So thankful for all of that. Um, why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 47. Genesis chapter 47. And we will be getting to that in just a little bit. Um, let me mention a few things to you about, about camp that I'm thankful for. Number one, I am I'm thankful for our church that has the passion to make this happen and to help this happen. And in many cases, we're able to send these kids with very little cost to themselves, and that's on purpose, and that's because of your contribution, and we had to move those fundraisers back a little bit, but I'm thankful for you. Thank you. Thankful for the liberty that you give. It's great to have Brother Chad and Miss Georgia and Miss Rachel here, and I am, I'm grateful for their leadership. They are driving forces behind camp happening, and uh, Brother Chad serves as the camp director. I'm not going to make any jokes about Miss Georgia because those have already been abused, and so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, uh, but I'm thankful for them, and Miss Rachel helps them out significantly, and sure to appreciate that. Uh, they take a vision. Uh, Miss, Miss Georgia referred to me this week. I won't give you the story, but she just said, you're such a pastor. And what she meant by was this. You give some kind of vague statement, and then you just expect people under you to figure it out and get it done. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> we, all, we all have our lot in life, hallelujah. So, uh, but Brother Dean, and you know Pastor David did, I do as well. We have a desire that God work in the lives of young people. But it, you, you can't just have a desire. You have to have people that are willing to take that and put it into motion. And I'm so thankful for that. I am very, our church is blessed with some amazing workers to invest in our young people. I'll start with the fee of eyes. And I'm thankful for the way that they love these kids. And if you spend any time with them, this is what you know, that they love our young people. They love the Lord, and they love our young people, and they want our young people to serve God. And I'm so thankful for them. And then Miss June is, was such a tremendous and is a tremendous asset to that camp. And 
you know, when I asked her to, there was some apprehension about, well, I'm not at age, I'm not cool, or whatever those things might be. But I think she is cool. <laughs> and, uh, and our kids, our kids don't need everybody around them to be cool. They need people around them to be authentic and to love them. And Miss June did that. Um, uh, the Verdinis, uh, they, camp would not be possible without them. What I'm thankful for is that the expertise they provide medically is not the main thing that they contribute because they have a heart for God and they love these kids and they don't, they don't just make medical investment and, and provide a layer of protection for which we ought to be thankful for, but they provide, they, they contribute to the overall spiritual development and, and spirit there and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And then uh, Brother Robbie and Miss Marcella have, uh, as they've started to get more involved with the youth department, have uh, been nothing but an asset and a help in elevating our, our youth and being a blessing to the Fiavis, being a blessing to the teens. And I'm so thankful for their willingness to take their experiences and invest them and help our kids learn from that. And uh, then my wife is pretty stellar too. And so she, uh, she's a great, uh, great contributor to all of that. And then parents... We have some amazing kids here, and it's not a foregone conclusion that they all turn out right. I'm going to talk about some of that tonight, and, and your responsibility in it, but the spirit young people that you had this week, you know, Brother Robbie talked about, may I have lemons make lemonade, y'all did a great job, because a whole lot of things got messed up because of weather, and it, it took a while for the schedule to get going, and we seriously did not hear a complaint, and it wasn't just a good spirit from the kids in our church. It was a good spirit around the camp. People were just grateful to be there, um, except for when a snowball hit my wife's head and a snowball hit a window that it shouldn't have hit. Otherwise, it was no big deal. And so we're uh, thankful for those things. You say, I need to know more details. No, you don't. You ask me later. We're on live stream right now, and so I'll tell you about it. (laughs) Brother Robbie shouldn't be throwing snowballs at my wife's head. And and boys shouldn't be throwing snowballs at windows. Anyway, moving on. Um, I, am, I am thankful for you guys. I, I love you and you young ladies. And, and tonight, y'all, they did a great job giving testimonies. It was a blessing. And uh, so grateful for them. They, their conduct this week makes West Valley Baptist Church look good. It makes Sawtooth Baptist Youth Camp look good. And I'm proud of them. I'm thankful for them, and I was honest with them. I know that some of them didn't want to go, and I would, I would tell them, you know, as a group, look, I know you all don't want to be here, but you have an opportunity to humble yourself before God, and I, I think there's plenty of evidence that they did just that, and so I'm grateful for it. All right, Genesis chapter 47, if you'd stand with me to honor God's word as we read it. Uh, this morning, uh, we were in chapter 46 into 47, and we dealt, we dealt with being among but not being of. Then the next two verses in the narrative, they deal with the thought that I, I wanted to share with you tonight, and I'm, I'm just thankful for the Lord ordering it, that, that I could use just the flow of this text. Normally on Sunday night, we would be in Esther. I planned to preach a message about this, but then God drew my attention to this text, and so I'm thankful for that. So we're continuing the series in Joseph tonight. Uh, This is specifically an application about camp. So verse 11 of chapter 47. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt. 
in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses. I said that wrong. Ramses, good night. As Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. I want you to notice two words, one from verse 11 and one from verse 12. Verse 11 says Joseph placed, means he intentionally set, he directed, he determined that they would be in this location. The second word in verse number 12 is nourished. It talks about providing what is necessary to health, to growth, to being established in good things. And so we see that Joseph took responsibility to ensure that his family was in a right position and had the right resources in order to thrive. So here's the title, the thought for tonight. Positioned to prosper. Positioned to prosper. We'll talk about the text, then deal with camp, and what it means for the moms and dads and for the church that is West Valley Baptist Church. Father, thank you for tonight. And it's already been good. God, my heart rejoices. And I'm so thankful for what you did and for what that part plays in what you are doing. And God, I don't pretend to know all of that. I just, I just enjoyed sitting back here and watching our teens and dreaming about them. And my heart is stirred. And I'm thankful for the presence of people who invest in them. And, and tonight, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some challenging things. I, I do not say them with a, a mean or a hostile spirit. I, I just want us to be motivated. And, and God, the, the ones that were at camp, the adults that were at camp can give testimony to this. I, nor Brother Herring, nor any of the other preachers, we didn't hold back. And, and the young people were challenged in the preaching. And they responded. And so tonight, Father, I pray that the parents of the campers would rise to the same level of being willing to be challenged tonight by the preaching. And that you would, you would use it only to strengthen your people and your work in their hearts. And that, that what you have started in the lives of these young individuals would only be helped through the course of this year and to the next. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've been blessed to have my, my family here. You saw my nephew and uh, my niece, Nathan and Hannah, and uh, they came with my mom and dad and my sister, and then my mom and sister stayed around uh, to watch the kids while we were at camp, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. And, and I had a couple of minor projects that my family was helping me with while we were gone and in, or while they were here, and, and during that process, my mom is a psycho gardener, and for I mean, back when I was a little kid, I was forced into the fields of picking green beans, and out there as a five-year-old, a six-year-old in the hot burning sun, just suffering, and she would leave me out there endlessly, and she never brought me a juice box, never brought me a high C, never brought me any of that. She just let me suffer picking green beans, and you know, we eventually moved to town, and then we moved to Missouri, and she just picked up the gardening thing. And, and every year, and any time I have a chance to go back or I, to Missouri or I see a picture, it just seems like the garden keeps getting bigger. She's a, and, and it's productive gardening. Now, some people garden and it's pointless. It's like, why are you wasting the dirt and the time? Go do something else. That's the kind of gardener that I am. But she, she is a legit psycho gardener. And I mean that in every complimentary way that's possible. 
I love you, Mama. Um, and so we, we, had these, we had these boxes that were a, a, a byproduct of some of these projects we were doing. And my mom said, hey, we could turn these into planter boxes. And when she said we could turn these into planter boxes, what I heard was, I and someone other than you could turn these into planter boxes. And I'm like, I'm down with that. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. And so they put the, together the planter boxes and they got the topsoil and they planted tomatoes and spinach. And the tomato plants were already um, developed some and they stuck them in the ground. And the, the spinach seeds had not yet come up. Uh, but when we got home from camp, I went out in the backyard to see the progress of my crops and notice that the spinach plants had pushed through the soil and were already starting to grow. Now, if I had done that, it wouldn't have worked. They would have died and given up the ghost a long time ago. But again, my mom, being so qualified and attentive at gardening, she understands that, that there are certain things that plants need. I understand those things, too. It just doesn't produce the same, and I don't know why. Maybe I just need to get right my heart right in some way. But they, she, took through, she took the time to, and we talked through, the best position for the planter boxes to be in in order to get the most from the resources around them. And so we're talking about the sprinklers that were already in our backyard and where they could be so that when the sprinklers come on, the water would get into the boxes. And then our, not all of our yard gets the same amount of sunlight, and it's a small yard. And so having, putting them to not where they're going to be scorched, but where they're going to get consistent amount of sunlight, because as you know, the two things that plants need a whole lot of are water and sunlight, and it's going to cause them to grow. And so there was some work in it, but my, my mom went through talking, and, and I actually helped in positioning them a little bit, and so I can take full credit for the abundant harvest. Anyway, there was an effort to position them where they could experience maximum growth. We're going, to put them, we're going to put those planter boxes in the place to where they can experience the most growth, where, growth, where the plants will get the most amount of water, where they will get the, the right amount of sunlight and sunshine and all of the nutrients that come from that. And so there was some moving them around. There was some turning the sprinklers on to see where they would go. And uh, then there was seeing kind of where the sun was at at certain times and, and just what would be the ideal place. And so you move those boxes around and you get them in one of the ideal spots, and then the result is that they begin to produce. The reason that they produce is because they were positioned in the proper place so that they could be the most productive. If they're, if they're not positioned properly, if they're not positioned where they can get the proper amount of water, if they're not positioned where they can get the proper amount of sunlight, then they're not going to grow. They're not going to produce like they are capable of. They were positioned they are positioned to prosper. Now, we'll see what happens when mom goes home. They may all die on me, and then I'll just know it's me. Joseph, in our text, wanted his family to be in the best possible position to thrive as shepherds. Remember this morning, those of you that were able to be here or to listen online, that one of the things Joseph told them to do was to embrace who they were. Don't change who you are. You are shepherds. And you're coming into a land that does not hold shepherds in high regard. But you don't need to change who you are to accommodate the culture in Egypt. You just need to be who you are. And then by your right conduct, they'll understand, hopefully, that there is benefit from you being here. And so he had it in mind to position them in part 
in a place where they could thrive as shepherds. Please note this. He didn't want them thriving as Egyptians. Because that's not who they were. They were the sons of Jacob. They were the children of the covenant that was made with Abraham. They were children. They were sons. They were daughters of God. They weren't being sent into Egypt to thrive as Egyptians. They were sent to be among the Egyptians. But they were not of the Egyptians because one day they were going to be brought out. And so Joseph wasn't concerned with, nor was God concerned with, them thriving as Egyptians and being lauded by the Egyptian culture. He wanted them, Joseph wanted them, God wanted them to thrive as the sons of Israel in Egypt. Oh, I like this. I'm not preaching on this, but it's a good reminder. You don't have to be like the culture in order to thrive as a child of God in the culture. No, our faith can thrive. Our relationship with Jesus can flourish. We don't have to become like them to thrive among them. He wanted them thriving as the people of God that they were. So he places them in the land of Goshen. It's referred to as Ramses as well. And in here, the land is fertile. It's going to produce a lot of good grazing ground. And you remember from this morning that it's located southwest of the Canaan land, which they would eventually inherit. And so he puts them in a place that their flocks will have plenty of food, their families and their flocks will have plenty of opportunity to grow. Notice that it says in verse number 12, and Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread. He not only puts them in a place where their flocks can grow and be healthy and have sustenance, he makes sure that they have sustenance. Remember, that this is a time of famine that is taking place, and there is extreme poverty that is increasing and deprivation of resources because of the famine that has afflicted the land, and crops are not producing right now, but because of Joseph's preparation through the wisdom of God, then there is an abundance of bread in Egypt that can be shared, and so they are given that, and I love the idea, Joseph nourishes them. Um, My... Kids, one of the, in the renovation project, we, we found like 18 or 20 bird nests in our back porch. Annoying. So we get up there and clean out those nests, and one of the nests had some baby birds in it. And so I, I told my kids, because I'd seen something about this, if you want to try to feed them and keep them alive, go for it. And learn what it means to nourish something. Learn what it means to dig up. You get your hands dirty and try to feed those things and keep them alive. And they did. They worked on it. The birds didn't survive. But they did. They tried. You know, you know what Joseph is doing? He is nourishing them. He's saying, I have what you need. And I'm going to make sure that you have what you need. Not only that, but he gives them notice at the end of verse 12. According to their families. He gave them resources based on their individual family need. You know the family of Simeon would need this much. But the family of Issachar would need this much. The family of Levi might need this much. But the family of Judah might need this much. The family of Gad might need this much. But the family of Asher might need this much. And you just go down through all the tribes. And the individual need of each family isn't going to be exactly the same. And Joseph wasn't trying to make some kind of blanket provision. He he was interested in them enough. He was aware of them enough. 
and he had the ability to provide enough so that each individual family had exactly what they needed for everyone that was in their family. This is what we can say from verse number 11 and verse 12. And I'm moving quickly, but please get this. Joseph positioned his family to prosper. He put them in a place where their flocks could thrive. He put them in a place where their families would have sustenance. And he tended to them individually as they had need so that they could prosper while they were there. God had brought them into the land of Egypt through his leadership in Jacob's life and told him, this is how I'm going to work and I'm going to take care of you in Egypt. And so they obey God and they go and there they are put in the best possible position through the leadership of Joseph so that they might thrive, not as Egyptians, but so that they might thrive as the people of God. This is what we could say. If they didn't thrive there, it wouldn't be because of Joseph's failure. He did everything he could to position them so that they would have success in the land of Egypt. Your flocks have land, your families have bread, and your individual needs are met. Let's talk about camp. Camp is a place where kids can thrive spiritually. Okay, let me just talk through these with you. Number one, there's a specific location where distractions are intentionally limited. We go where preparations have been made. And just like in chapter 46, how Joseph makes ready and Judah went before. I think about the Adams going up there and other families and even Brother Theovi getting things ready on our end. How preparations are made. And And then we go up to McCall and this is one of my favorite things that happened on the bus ride to camp. We get on the bus, I'm in the seat, and this is, we do one more check, and Brother Fiavai does this. All right, anybody got a cell phone? Uh, see, y'all had the same reaction as the kids did. <laughs> see, but I need to talk to my baby. No, you don't. You need to talk to their counselors is who you need to talk to. And I'm kidding about that. If you need to talk to them, obviously we'd let you talk to them. But we limit distractions. And then there's a priority. We come together for a very clear purpose. Uh, Brother Dean understands it. Jonathan Pyle understands it. The Fiavis understand it. Miss June and the Wicklands and Andrea Pyle and, and every, every other person that's there, every other church that comes, they understand the priority. The priority is that these young people might be confronted with the truth of God in their life. There is a specific location where distractions are limited. We don't play video games at camp. We don't watch TV. It's amazing kids can survive without movies. I was stunned. I didn't know it was possible. I thought they'd be falling out in the tabernacle or the chapel on Tuesday night. I haven't seen any TV. They can survive without Facebook, without the gram, without the talk of ticking. Oh, they could survive. Real life. Some of them needed a respirator. This is a social app respirator. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. Breathe in some oxygen. But we limit distractions. Let me tell you another way we limit distractions. No boy-girl contact. Uh-huh. 
say, y'all are just weird and backwards. No, we just care more about eternal things and want them to understand there's a time and place for things, but right now you need to be focused on God. And if you'll focus on God now, that romance will be, be a whole lot better down the road. Mm, thank you, Pastor. Uh-huh. specific location where distractions are limited. Number two, there is an abundance of spiritual nourishment. Let me read through this quickly. God and I time, starting on Tuesday through Friday morning, they read a scripture in the notebooks that they're given. There's a place for them to take notes by themselves and write down what God read or how God spoke to them. Brother Chad gives great explanation in the opening session of camp and explaining what is supposed to happen with that time. God and I time is mandatory. It's not, hey, if you feel like, no, you're up and you're going to spend some time in your Bible or you're at least going to look like you are and it, what you decide to do with it is ultimately your decision, but God and I time. Then we have split sessions in the mornings where the certain women spend time teaching the girls about issues they need to deal with and then certain men spend time teaching the boys with issues that they need to deal with. Then we have a morning chapel where there's games, singing, and preaching. And then we have a church prayer time in the evening, how that church is before the evening service will come together. And we'll maybe give some brief testimonies. We'll take some prayer requests and then we'll pray together. And then there's an evening chapel and there's games, there's singing, and there's a whole lot more preaching. And then after that, if that's not enough, then you have cabin devotions. And then you talk about how God spoke to you and someone will give a devotion. And all of this is non-negotiable. It is mandatory. There is an abundance of spiritual nourishment there. Preaching, teaching, praying, devotion, over and over and over again. And you know what these kids are being shown? That it's good to be in the Word. It's good for your life. Then there is individual investment. Every kid generally needs the same thing. They need God. They need the word of God. They need prayer to God. They need the preaching of the word. They need the love and affirmation and the correction and the challenging of people of God who have some maturity and insight that they haven't yet developed. Generally, every kid needs the same thing, but every child, every camper doesn't need the same thing specifically. Some are dealing with serious insecurities. Some are dealing with pride. Some are dealing with anger. Some are dealing with lust. Some are dealing with disobedience. Some are attention seekers. Some have been hurt and abused. Some are afraid. Some need salvation. By the way, we had four campers that called on Jesus as their Savior this week. Some, some need, are dealing with what God wants them to do and feel like God is calling them. And maybe some young man or some young lady feels like God is really speaking to me about this needs to be the direction of my life. And so there is an individual investment that is made. We don't, we don't cookie cut camp. Everybody needs generally the same thing. You need God, and you need preaching, and you need the Bible, and you need prayer, but then we're willing to minister on an individual level with these kids. No, the workers, the workers will tell you, not just our workers, other workers. Brother Chad will tell you this. We talk about this. How can we best maximize the invitation so that every camper has the opportunity to talk to a counselor? Because we don't want to miss an opportunity to help them take the step they ought to take. And so we're there for them. As late as they need us to be there for them. We're there. So camp is a place where kids can thrive spiritually because there's a specific location where distractions are limited. There's an abundance of spiritual nourishment. There is individual investment. At camp, we create an environment where kids can thrive spiritually. 
we're trying to do like those planter boxes. Are you ready? We see the rain and the sun that can come from Almighty God. And for a week, we're just trying to take the planter boxes of their lives and position them just right to where they can hear it. And a little bit of nourishment, a little bit of, a little bit of moisture, a little bit of sunlight from the Word of God will get into their life. And it will begin to spark some growth. And just like those spinach plants, after enough watering and enough sunlight was shed upon them, and they begin to push through the ground, we begin to see spiritual maturity starting to push through. And everything at camp is framed around positioning them to spiritually grow. And they often, not exclusively, but they often thrive. And it is amazing to watch. It's amazing to see the joy in their faces. It's amazing to see the excitement about God and his word. It's amazing to see the dialogue that happens with them. It's amazing to see the, the consensus among young people like are here. And how there's a, the right kind of peer pressure the right kind of encouragement to follow God. The testimonies that you heard. You see an awareness and a depth and a sensitivity to God that you did not always know. You weren't always sure was there. But you see it. And here's why it starts growing out of that soil. It starts pushing through. is because everything around camp is framed to position them to grow with God. We position them to prosper. And here's what never disappoints. God never disappoints. His word never disappoints. His, his spirit never disappoints. Here's the problem. We come home from camp and there can be a slide. A return. Young people, look at this. Look at this. You know this is possible. Some of you gave testimony about it. You get to camp, you get positioned. And then you go back down. Let me talk about that for a minute. Some of, some of that is a part of the natural growth process. I don't expect you to remember this, but last year for our camp service, I talked about the spiritual fluctuations of Peter. Remember that? Up and down, up and down. And how Jesus didn't condemn him, Jesus taught him through that. And how if Jesus was gonna deal with a grown man with that level of patience, we need to deal with our teens with that level of patience. Don't wig out because your teen experiences fluctuations that you might still be experiencing as an adult. Thank you, Pastor. Up and down. Some of it's learning to navigate the real world. Camp is a protected environment. School, not always a protected environment. Home, not always a protected environment. Church, not always protected in every way. Young people, look at me, please. You got to take responsibility for some of that. There's young people in the Bible who took responsibility for that. Joseph took responsibility for it as a 17-year-old. Daniel took responsibility for it when he was taken into captivity as a young man. David took responsibility for it when he was just 15 or 16, standing on a battlefield and grown men were cowering, and yet he stood for the Lord. You've got to take responsibility for it. Now, some people might say, well, pastor, that's just part of it. We, we can't have camp all year. I agree. And with other workers, I just want to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> we, we, were, we were crowded. And I ended up uh, staying with Brother Chad. And we had three junior high boys in our cabins. They give away a cleaning award every morning. There is a score scale of, for the cleanest cabin. The highest score is 50. And the, the very biased and unfair judges, I'm not going to mention their names, but they were the Verdinis. They... On Wednesday or Thursday morning, out of a possible 50, 
our cabin got a five. <laughs> okay, look, I've never, I've never felt so gross after I took a shower. <laughs> it's like junior high boys, and then you get yourself cleaned up, and then you walk back to your bunk, and by the time you get there, just, just the brew that is fermenting from all of that teen, junior high boy stuff, you just walk through it like a California smog, and it's just all, and I sit back down in my bed, and I'm like, why did I even bother getting cleaned up? And then I look over at Brother Chad, and he's gross. It's like, you just got cleaned up too, and this is terrible. And so by Wednesday, we didn't care anymore. It's like, whatever. I agree. I agree that we can't have camp all the time. But let me talk to the parents now. Young people, stay tuned in, but let me talk to the parents and to this church. Sometimes I think we settle for spiritual decline or apathy after camp, calling it a natural part of the real world, when in reality, we're just copping out as parents and as a church. The reason camp is successful is because there is a clearly defined priority and there is an across-the-board buy-in to that priority. Okay, that's good. You need to get this. The reason camp, the reason Sawtooth Baptist Youth Camp is successful is because there is a clearly defined priority. It doesn't mean that everybody agrees on everything. It means we understand this should be the main priority. And then regardless of what position we're coming from, and there can be differences about some lesser things, and we, we have the relationships that we can talk about those and still like each other and serve together, but there is an across-the-board buy-in to that priority. And this is what we say. I might think a little differently here. I might be a little tighter here, a little looser here. But for this week, I am buying into this priority so that these young people can be positioned in the best possible place to thrive spiritually. So this is what I wonder. If we can accomplish that at camp, why can't we accomplish that in our homes? Why can't we accomplish that as a church? Is it possible that we could do a better job establishing a spiritual priority, a God-centered priority, and executing complete buy-in in the daily lives of our children? Is it possible that we might be able to do a better job positioning them to prosper? Let me just ask you some questions. This is the application. Let me ask you three questions and application about those questions. Why can't distractions be limited in our homes and in our churches? Why does technology have to consume the lives of our young people? Why does TV have to own us? Why do video games have to be the default activity? Why do sports have to be the main thing? Why does educational pressure have to become a god in the lives of our kids? Why does social networking have to be a personal priority for them? No, I'm going to say that one again. Why does Facebook and Instagram and all these other things, without supervision, have to be a personal priority for them? Why do the expectations of a culture dictate what we do as parents? Why, why do the expectations of a culture concerning all these areas, why does that dictate what we do as parents? Why can't we tell our kids, nope, not and not even? Why can't I say that? Why can't I limit distractions? 
Why can't we limit distractions at West Valley Baptist Church? Why can't we say it's not going to be about all of these things that can cause drama and stress? It's going to be about loving each other. It's going to be about loving Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm thankful for a youth pastor. I'm thankful for youth helpers and workers that buy into that. But some parents have to buy into it as well. And a whole lot of times when you have young people that don't buy into it, it's not because of them sometimes. Sometimes it's because they're not getting the buy-in at home. Why can't there be a limit to distractions? Number two, why can't there be an abundance of spiritual nourishment? Why can't we make time in our homes for the Bible? Why can't you have your own God and I time? Why can't you ensure that they have their own God and I time? Why can't you as a family, like we did at camp, talk about what they learned during the day? Why can't you, like we did at camp, make every church service mandatory? unless providentially or some other way hindered? Why can't you make the preaching of the word of God a passion for your family? Did you hear how your children responded to the preaching of the word of God? Look, that wasn't coerced. That wasn't forced. That wasn't manipulated. You say, Pastor Pyle, what did you change? I didn't change anything. In fact, the last message that I preached, I sweated so much, and I was, I was preaching so hard. I was sweating through three shirts. No, somebody took a picture of it. I think it's Brother Robbie. Looked like Batman had sweated out on the back of my shirt. You say, how did you change in order to be cool? We didn't change. We just preached the Bible. And this is what happened. They humbled themselves and got on their face and loved God. But this is what happens at home sometimes. You go home, okay, I mean, the message is okay. Man, he sure does get loud. That service was so long. Instead of saying, hey, young people, what'd you hear? What'd you hear from God today? Why can't you respond that way? Why can't there be an investment? Number three, why can't there be an investment based on what your child needs individually? Let me ask you a question. Why does the world get to tell you how to be parents? Why do godless experts get to determine the priorities for your children's development and education? Why do godless bureaucrats get to determine the best way to train kids? Why can't I be an expert on raising my kids? You say, you? I mean, God gave me them as the dad, so I figure he could equip me to be what they need. Uh, okay, you need some more convincing of this? Okay, thank you. God gave, God gave these cane boys to the canes. God gave Molina to her mama. God gave Alex Tinsley to her mom and daddy. God gave as much as this makes them cringe. God gave the piles to their daddy and mama. By the way, Jason chickened out. He was supposed to introduce himself as Jennifer. You'll have to ask Brother Chad about that. <laughs> he was introduced at camp as Jennifer Pele or something like that. No, hey, hey, hey. God gave, God gave the Dewey girls to Miss Brenda. And gave, God, gave, uh, God gave Blake to Miss Jenny. And we could go through the list. God gave those kids to you. Why can't you be, why can't you be an expert in what they need? Why can't, why can't God equip you? Why can't he be enough in your life to give you what they need you to be? Why do I have to cave to the pressure of social, social expectations of raising my kids instead of living up to God's expectations for raising my kids? Why can't you as a parent order your life in a way that demonstrates 
and reinforces your claims of faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the danger. Please get this statement. I'm almost done. Here's the danger, is that you as a parent use one week of spiritual emphasis to compensate for 51 weeks of spiritual neglect. And I just, listen, I do not underestimate what God can do. I don't. But I know being positioned for one week under the sun and the moisture of the truth of God is going to be really challenged to produce results when 51 other weeks it's being taken all over the place. I'm just saying, listen, I'm not saying you can't have other things in their life. I'm not even for a minute thinking every week should be like camp. Thank God that it's not. I couldn't survive. Brother Chad would have already been killed by Miss Georgia. It just wouldn't go well. But here's what we could do. We could do a better job positioning them so that they know what the ultimate priority in every area of life is. Your kids can thrive. You hear them singing, Jesus stepped in. Oh, man. I love it that Jesus is stepping in their lives. When they started singing that song, I'm back there doing this. I love it. No, your kids don't have to be at camp to thrive spiritually. It's good. It's useful. It has its place. But this year should have been a warning that camp may not always be available for them. But you know who is? God. They just have to learn to be positioned. Because one day, mm, get this, one day you're going to lose the ability to position the planters of their lives. One day they're going to position their own. And a lot of that is going to be influenced, not determined by, because you could do the right thing and they still do something wrong. But a lot of that might be influenced by how you positioned them when you had control. Your kids are saved. They have a heart for God. They give testimony of salvation. They need the Josephs in their lives. They need the moms and the dads. They need the pastors, the youth pastors, the workers. They need people to create an environment that is not just limited to a week of camp, but it's a daily occurrence where they can thrive spiritually. Now look, you are positioning them somewhere. Position them to prosper spiritually. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm glad my mom's here to hear this. Just so, just for the witness sake. There were things in our lives that were non-negotiable. Obeying them was non-negotiable. We didn't, we didn't collaborate on whether or not it was effective for me to obey or express my inner feelings. You express certain things, I'm going to express certain things. And I was taught the fear of God through that. Love was non-negotiable. I can remember two distinct times my mom washed my mouth out with soap. And it had to do with my sister that was here. <sighs> You know what I learned? My words better be in love. The Bible was non-negotiable. Going to memorize it. Going to learn it. Standard. Don't panic when you hear that word. I'm not talking about what they are. Just that as a Christian, there ought to be some standards in your life. That would be something. Non-negotiable. You're going to try to follow Jesus Christ. Church. Non-negotiable. Respect for authority. Non-negotiable. Let me ask you two questions and we're done. Are you living your life? Moms and dads, 
Church workers, are you living your life in a way that if your children follow your example, they'll be positioned to prosper spiritually? If their position is determined by your example, how much sunshine are they getting? How much water from the word of God are they getting? What is their attitude about church if their attitude reflects your attitude? What is their attitude about the teaching of the word of God, about the love of the saints, about the praise and worship of God, about a passion for people and loving souls? If they're following your example, where will they be positioned? Number two, are you ordering their life in a way that will give them the best chance of prospering spiritually? Look, you can't, man, Brielle, you were so sweet. Tabitha did such a good job. You know what I loved about the, their two testimonies? They weren't thrilled about that. Some of, some of these boys weren't thrilled about it. But you know what they did? They said, listen, we got to submit, and we're just going to do it. And I'm thankful that that was all we, all we did. Your kids aren't always going to do the right thing, but you can make them be in the position that they need to be in. Can I give you an example? You can't guarantee their attitude is always right at church, but you can make sure they're at church. Moms and dads, stop waiting for your children to give you permission to position their life. Stop waiting for it. Stop waiting for someone else to give you permission to position their life. Why don't you take that planter box in love and kindness and say, hey, you're going to thrive best right here. And so this is where I'm going to put you for now. It's not, listen, it's not where they're going to stay because they're going to grow. And it's going to be amazing to see where God positions them down the road. But it's got to start right now. I don't ever want to use one week to compensate for 51 weeks of personal neglect in the pile home. I don't want to do that as a church. I don't want you to do that as family. Position your children to prosper. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as you stand together with me. Brother Nate will begin to sing in just a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, two questions. Question number one, are you living your life in a way that if they follow your example, they'll be positioned to prosper spiritually? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask moms and dads, I want to ask the adults at West Valley, if, if these young people, whether they're related to you or not, because we're all spiritually related as children of God, they ought to, young men ought to be able to look up to young men and young women. Young women ought to be able to look up to the men and women of West Valley Baptist Church. If they look up to you, do they see in your life, your life being positioned in a way that if they follow, they'll prosper spiritually? I wonder if there'd be some adults that would say, there's some deficiencies in how I'm positioning my own life, and I need God's help to tend to those things, to be a better example not just to my own kids, but to the people around me. Maybe I don't have any kids, or don't have any kids in my home, but I know I could be a better example in positioning my own life. Would you pray for me? I wonder if there'd be some that raise their hand and say yes. Yeah, I see them. See them. God bless you for your honesty. Number two, are you, are you ordering their life in a way that will give them the best chance of prospering spiritually? I wonder if there'd be some moms and dads who would say, there has been some spiritual initiative that my children aren't yet mature enough to take on their own, but I have failed to help them take it as the Joseph that God has put into their life. And I know, I know that in their life, some expectations need to be developed. Some things need to be tightened up. 
some things need to improve in our daily life. And I'm just, I'm asking that you would pray for me that I could take that initiative. I wonder if there'd be some parents that say, yeah, I need to do a better job in some of those areas. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. I see him. Praise the Lord. Why don't we do this? Why don't we pray? We're not going to drag it out, but if you want to come pray, you want to grab your young person and pray. Young people, you want to pray and ask God to solidify in your heart what he did during camp. Great. But while Brother Nate sings, if God has spoken to you, give him the courtesy of a response. We'll sing one more verse. 